Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, it's the Black Light Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> How many children are listening to this podcast? Yeah, maybe there are some in the background. This is in this, or this is like a, a wrestling intro. Like, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to the Black House. That is that pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my yeah. parents would never let me watch wrestling as a kid. You never watched wrestling? I was not allowed to. I only watched wrestling <laughs> with my dad. Oh, that is that you only watch wrestling? <laughs> yeah, no, I watched it with my dad all the time. Like, uh, that was one of his favorite pastimes, uh, which was funny because when I went back to Nigeria a week ago, or a year ago, um, well, I was we were driving down some of the main strips and people were like in these old shanty like bars on the side of the road. And there's like an old crap television, and they're all huddled around it watching wrestling. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that's like a little piece of my dad." Yeah. Not that he would have been in that space, but you know, it was it's entertainment. Yeah. You know, which now I cannot stand wrestling now. Like I, there's no you way you never watch it as like an homage to your father. Like this one's for you, Dad. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there are plenty of other things that I do as an homage, but that that is not one of. Them. I don't know. Once you know, I mean, you know that wrestling's fake. What? S- sorry, children, cover your ears <laughs> if you're out there, wrestling lovers. It's you know, it's a show. It's not real. And <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> And so uh, once I found out that it was real, uh, it was fake, I was like, oh, I can't watch this. This is stupid. And I, I stopped watching it. You oh, know, like, yeah, yeah. You gave up on it. Yeah. The well, magic stopped yeah, continuing which, on. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, there are, like, grown people who are still into it. Like, imagine The Rock. You know The Rock. Yeah. That's where he got his fame in right. the wrestling world. Well, you know, yeah, I think it's just entertainment. People say it as that. It's like watching a movie for some people. Like, they go knowing that the movie isn't real, the plot isn't real, they just want to be entertained and pulled away from their dull lives for two plus hours. <laughs> from their dull lives <laughs> for <laughs> two hours. <laughs> or however long a wrestling competition I mean, those, like those things are like three hours. I feel like they it's do like go on a lot. I feel like it's it's there's a lot of pain that needs to be numbed from wrestling. wrestling. Yeah, I wish I I wish you watched it because there is part of it that I'm not sure is fake. Like, uh, like in the WWE, I think that's what it's still called. Uh, the the main guy, the owner, is now like he's like wrestling now. Like he's part of all the action and his like son and his daughter in it. I, I only know this cause I've heard about it. Oh, I've okay. seen it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but they're like, I'm like, is that part real? Are they like really at odds or is it all fake or I don't know. It's, it's very, maybe very... that's part of the mystery is that you don't know how much of it is fake. Yeah. Maybe so. But well, there's, I, there's room for it to be believable and some reality to seep into that. I I think it's all fake. Okay. <laughs> I think all of it is, is fake and silly, but I can understand why people like it. Uh, just because of what you said. They have dull lives, and they're not. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about it. No. Uh, speaking of dull lives, um, I have a pretty dull life. Well, I, <laughs> I feel really dull right now because I haven't had coffee. Like, I want some coffee. Um, and I know you're the coffee guy. I am the coffee guy. You also live two blocks from a coffee shop. I know. I normally go. I was there this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm trying not to drink as much coffee. Because I want to drink more tea or like other... That's like the most bougie thing I've no, ever heard someone say. Tea is the the most widely... It is, but people say, I don't want to drink liquid. coffee because I want to drink more tea. No. It makes you sound like you're sure. so pretentious. No, it's not that... It's not from pretentious. I, I'm doing this diet. Okay. And I can't drink coffee. Okay, that is fair. 
Yeah. Now, okay. Now the truth's coming out. This is the truth behind the truth. Yeah. This is the this is the exposed. This is the this is us <laughs> black light, black light, black light, black putting light. a black light to the truth. <laughs> I'm 80s Why aren't drinking, drinking coffee, beverage habits. You can't handle the truth. Um, <laughs> okay. So then tell me, okay, well, tea and coffee. So you can drink tea. I can drink some teas, and then my stomach's been giving me some issues that we're we're really getting into. It so <laughs> to really I'm, expose this. Yeah, I'm drinking some peppermint tea, uh, and uh, I I don't know. I just miss coffee. Like, I drink a lot of coffee, like, every day. I, like, probably all photographers, I feel like coffee is, like... It's like know, the staple beverage. Well, it's like their sidekick. It gets you going. Like, you drink coffee at a wedding? Yeah. Yeah? Like, yeah. I, sometimes I feel like, like... Sometimes I bring my own coffee. Oh. Sometimes wow. I, like, bring a mug of coffee, yeah. a big thermos of coffee. If they serve coffee at the end, I'll usually drink a couple glasses Me of coffee too. then. Me, too. To get pumped for the dancing, yeah. I will drink... I'll, like, and get pumped for the drive home. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. But both, yeah. yeah, dancing, too. Yeah. Normally, if I drink coffee, like, past three, I, I can't sleep that night. So I have to drink coffee early in the day, like, in the morning, and it, it fuels me through the day. But around... If I drink after three or four, I'll have... I won't be able to sleep or I have really, really weird dreams. Like just and it'll just be tough. Or I'll be have a lot of Can you of describe us one of these weird dreams that you've had? Uh I think I had a dream uh that I was flying around my room. <laughs> <laughs> that that was an that was a pretty amazing dream actually. Uh that's it though. I was just kinda like I got up and I just started flying around my room. And uh, then the dream is over. <laughs> I think you don't have a huge room, so I feel like it's it's less impressive to you due to the size of your room. Yeah, but still, it'd be kind of fun to just like cruise around, you know. Anyway, that's, yeah. Uh, well, something I do want to talk about regarding some of this coffee things and and uh, the feel that it provides at weddings is actually the travel and things it takes to get to weddings and kind of what some of your habits are. Because this past weekend, I had a wedding in Durango. Durango. So for those of you that aren't in Colorado, it's about a six-hour drive-ish from Denver. So I flew back on Friday. I hung out with my peeps. Um, and then I drove down Friday night to Alamosa, just three hours. Yeah. Finished out the drive the next day. And did the exact same thing. After the wedding, I drove three hours back to Alamosa. And then Sunday, I drove three hours back. That's a lot of driving, man. Like, do you typically get hotels for trips like that? I feel like six hours is a pretty long... It's like right on the cusp of like being like, should you think about flying there? Like, Oh. Well, for a six-hour... If it's six hours away, personally, I definitely... I wouldn't, I wouldn't fly there just because I really like driving. Yeah, okay. And so mm-hmm. I will listen to a lot of books on tape, and I like and that's when i listen to them is when i'm driving or when i'm uh editing uh and so uh i would and i would probably like i've done i've been crazy i've driven like for a wedding i would drive to the wedding the day of if it's five hours away and then at night i will drive five hours back (laughs) yeah but i'm also i'm also oddly frugal at times okay no the the frugality that makes total sense to me like the, the thing that scares me about that is I always go to worst case scenario. So I'm like, what if I get a flat tire? I'm way out to the wedding. And then, well, I give myself time, like a buffer time. Like how much buffer though? I guess that's I, a, like how much I, buffer I, is oh, a good buffer. I always plan on being in the city where the wedding is at least two hours before. Okay, so yeah. part of this, like in my this buffering thing, is I was at uh, in North Carolina last week. I was at Ramble. It's a outdoor camping workshop thing in North Carolina. This iteration was in North Carolina. But for those of you following the news, there is a hurricane that was coming through. 
Oh, yeah. And I was thinking to myself, and I actually didn't even know that until I was literally on the ground in North Carolina, like, there's a hurricane coming this way. Yeah. And so I was thinking, okay, it was supposed to hit land at the when I first found out, like, maybe Thursday night on the coast, and we were in Asheville, and so we were you know, quite a bit of ways away. Um, I was thinking, like, man, if like my flight were to get canceled, how far of a drive is that? And it was like a 25-hour drive mm-hmm. from there to Durango. So I was like, man, I'd be pretty screwed yeah. <laughs> with very little buffer time. Um, and everything obviously worked out fine. It was no big deal. I flew out of Knoxville, flew back to Denver, um, direct flight, which was actually pretty pretty awesome. Um, but it got me thinking about some of these buffers and kind of like the security and also like the lack of security. Or if you make decisions like this based on things going wrong or worst case scenario mindsets. Yeah. Or if just like, you know what? It doesn't matter if it's worst case. It can it'll be fine. I think it's nice in for a wedding to have um, a local second shooter. So someone who lives in Durango or someone who lives in New York for me or Miami. And so when I go to those places, I'm always emailing to try to find a shooter that lives there. And in my mind, they are my backup. So if something happens to me and I can't make it to the wedding, the second becomes the first, and hopefully they know a network of photographers in town that they could pull from to second sure. it. Okay. And so at least my clients are covered. Um, but it's, it's not always the case. I've had some where... I, you know, I'm the second, or I'm the first, and I'm trying to get over to, uh, I remember I had one where I flew in this, the morning of the wedding, after shooting a wedding, we were shooting a wedding in, in New York, um, and we, in, like, northern New York, and then we drove all the way back down to the city, you know, went to the airport, and we had a overnight flight, I landed at, like, 9 a.m., and then had to shoot a wedding at 11. Like, so, <laughs> and I, for that wedding, I had a shooter. It was in Colorado, but I had a shooter from Portland shooting with me. And so she had flown in, went to my house, got ready, and then went to the wedding wow. before I was even, before we'd even seen each other. And so I, I rushed home, got home, got changed, went to the wedding. Or went there, was there at like 1045. I was like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's yeah. so crazy. I've done that myself as, as well. But always, the couple on the second day knew, hey, FYI, I'm flying in this morning. I'll do that if you're okay with it. But you've uh, got to be okay with it. I, yeah, I don't want to stress them out at all. So I, I don't say anything. I'm just like, yeah, I mean, I probably, maybe I, if, if it came up, I would. But I don't want, normally, you know, that big wedding I had in Miami? Yeah. Um, it was in my contract that I had to be in the city two days beforehand. Really? Yeah, just because it's Miami and there are certain, you know, and so obviously that there was uh, compensation for my stay and, you know, and for things like that, but I it was contracted that I'll be in, like, a certain mile range of the venue, like, two days before. Wow, okay. Yeah, and so... That's, like, well, the next level. Yeah, but it was... I mean, the wedding was next level. That <laughs> wedding was insane. It was the biggest, you know, I've ever worked, and, you know, they were just covering their bases, and I was like, well, I don't care. I'll be there. Yeah. I was actually there a week before, and I was just hanging out with my sex shooter, and we just <laughs> hung out in Miami, which was great, like, Wynwood District and all that. It was really fun. Um, anyway, yeah, so, I mean, there's so many things that you can do. I think there are some people I know that shoot, like, three or four weddings a weekend, you know, and they'll shoot some in the morning, some in the afternoon. Have you done this before? <laughs> no. I don't think I could shoot two, two different weddings in the same day. 
yeah, that to be I, don't, I mean, it's totally like a cranked out sort of turning version where they'll shoot like an elopement or something in the morning or like a, they'll shoot a ceremony at a uh, at City Hall and then like a longer wedding at two or something starting at two. And I was like, wow, like how do you even have that many inquiries yeah. you know? <laughs> I, like, I can't even do that if I tried to yeah. do that I was like, uh, you know and so which is even it's so funny because I know a couple I know some people I just the, the fact that you're even thinking about what you should do is good because I know some stories for some, some guys that are just insane like I'll just okay no names but there's this one buddy of mine great shooter great guy but he'll double book a wedding knowingly he'll just say yeah i'll be at the wedding and uh and then he'll have um and then he'll he'll get another inquiry and he's like yeah i'll be there because you know there's money involved so he'll take it and then a week before he'll be like ad i need you to primary <laughs> i need you to shoot a wedding for me because oh i double booked and i'm like what'd you do bro you know and he's like listen he's a funny good guy like i i love him um but he's like, hey, man, I need you to help me out here, bro. I'm like, yeah, man, I got you. I'll do it. You know, and it's just really funny. But uh, he is like, there's like, I mean, there's a little bit, like, it's not there's, like there's no shame. But he really, um, what I'm saying, if you're thinking about just timing, some people don't need, you know, they're yeah, just yeah, like, it's like, book, whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and worry about that hurdle when I, when I get there. So I, I had to tell, well, I didn't tell the client, but. You know that so and so was in the hospital. That <laughs> I didn't tell him. I didn't tell the client. I just shot it, and the client was like, "Oh, too bad for him." And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my gosh. Oh man, now I feel bad for talking about my mate, but whatever. He he, he knows I love him. He knows I love him. So it's just he's a." Uh, He's just working it, man. I, just, yeah, I guess. Yeah. You, I, <laughs> see, that's. I don't think I want to get to that point where I'm. That's my uh, my mo. But well, you know, I, he doesn't do it that often. He's just done. It. <laughs> I feel he's like one it, time is more than yeah. He's more done than it once or twice, where he's like, "Oh man!" And I know some people who've double booked in an accident or on accident and didn't realize it until like a few weeks before. I know a guy who <laughs> listen. I got so many stories. I know a guy who went to a wedding. Uh, like three months before the date. What? Yeah, and he goes. He got had his second shooter. Drove like two hours away. Got got to the venue. Calls the bride, and she, he's like, "Hey, where is everybody?" And the bride's like, "What are you talking?" About? <laughs> 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 the bride's like, "The wedding's in like uh, wedding's in a couple a couple the of months." Wedding's not even in this county, yeah, here, bro. Wedding's in a couple of months. <laughs> And he's like, oh, okay, cool. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, man. The Yeah, so the fact that you're like, oh, man, how do I judge travel? And, what you know, it's like, listen, you know, like, as long as you're getting there and you're worried about it, you'll be fine. Oh, like, man, yeah. yeah. I, I just, like, stress out about close calls like that, dude. I feel like I have... I don't feel like I have a ton of anxiety. Actually, you know what? I feel like I have a lot more anxiety in my life as I've gotten older. I've recognized, oh, that's anxiety. <laughs> that's not yeah. just like irrational fears. That's called anxiety. Yeah, it's um, that coffee, though, probably. That's, yeah, that's probably. <laughs> and I don't think I actually have a ton of anxiety, but around time-related things, I, it stresses me out. Sure. 
So uh, I'm trying to put things in my life where I have less stress. But, you know, with things like that, when, when you put travel into the mix, I feel like it has to re- produce some form of, like, stressor. Just for me, at least, because, like, that's time away. The more time that you're not gone, the more time you're gone means time away from friends and family. But, then like, the closer mm-hmm. you cut it, it means, like, you're kind of real, real close sometimes. And that gets me nervous, stressed out. So then it's like a double stress. Like, oh, I'm away from my family for longer. Or I can get real close with somebody's wedding. Right. I mean, luckily, time works. You know, like it makes sense and it adds up. So I I like time. I do get stressed. Or I get... So when I had this photo shoot last week, uh, two weeks ago, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. It was so stressful because... I rent a U-Haul and had to, like, come back here and get this gear, pick up this stuff, put it in the U-Haul. But the U-Haul was at the wrong place. And so uh, I was supposed to pick it up at 7, and then I couldn't pick it up until 9 at another building because they didn't open until 9. Oh, my gosh, and man. So, so at 7, I had to come back here, work on this the table for the photo shoot. I had to work on the table, run back to the thing at 9. And at 9, the shoot's an hour and a half away in Colorado Springs. And at nine, that's when the model was getting her makeup done, and she had to leave uh, that the shoot at like eleven thirty. So I'm jumping in the U-Haul at nine to come back up north to go get my stuff. Oh my gosh! And then go back down. So I'm driving ninety in a U-Haul with everything <laughs> that I, that I've been working on, <laughs> trying to get down to this spot. You know, an hour and a half away. I get there. Uh, the table is like sixteen feet tall, but it was too tall for the space. Like, we could turn it up, but it didn't visually look right. Mm. So I had, <laughs> I had a saw. <laughs> no, it was crazy, man. I was like, I had a saw. I had to cut the table legs off. This is all during the shoot, you know? And it's, by the time we got the table and the chair stood up and ready, you know, the lighting was right and we're ready to take the shot, it was 12.15. And what time it is the, 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 uh, the model had to leave at 12.15. You know, and so I was like, okay, we're ready, ready, click, camera, up, okay, uh, everyone's quiet, we're about to shoot, and I'm like, all right, what time is it? I'm like, 12.15, 12.15, what time do you need to leave? 12.15, like, oh, <laughs> click, 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 okay, take everything down. Like, oh <laughs> I mean, we shot, like, probably five minutes of, like, weeks of preparation. Like, what? it was, time was, I was literally sweating, like, I was like... Sweating, throwing nails, screwing things. It was like, it was really crazy. <laughs> like, calling friends, I need you to help. Come over here, blah, blah, blah. You know, it was like, it was a crazy day. And then the next day we did the, yeah. the thing. The next day, AD had a low country boil. So yeah. his birthday. Yeah. Shout out to all my southerners out there who know what a low country boil is. I had to learn from AD many moons ago what a low country boil was. Yes. And so, it was actually, my, it was my first one. It was quite exhilarating. Yeah, it's like this, if you don't know what it is, it's a huge pot of boiling water and spices. You spice it, uh, and which I didn't spice it as much as I, w- I should have. I feel like I should have really kicked it up, but I was like, oh, these Coloradans, they don't know. They're not going to be able to, you know, handle this. But anyway, so you put, like, potatoes, little small potatoes, uh, corn, uh, shrimp, sausage, crab. Um, we put artichokes, all sorts of stuff. Uh, into this big pot, you heat it up, and... You wait for everything to boil and every you know perfectly, and you add things like you know to time. You don't just throw everything in, and, and then you empty it out and you pour it on a table and everybody just eats. And so yeah, there were like, some people going to town, man. Yeah, I had like 
fight people to get to the table. <laughs> oh, really? There's people like elbowing me out of the way, man. <laughs> just like butter dripping everywhere. Yes. Like, just people snarling at me. Yes. That's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. You know, just a free-for-all, like kids running around. Yeah. It was our, uh, our daughter's first time eating seafood. And I looked at my wife and was like, what if she has an allergic reaction? <laughs> I was like... Well, they will know she's allergic to seafood. Yeah. No. So she loved it, though. She could, like, she was grabbing our hands to holding the food, pulling them into her mouth. Yes. To be eating up that shrimp, man. Yes. She was all about it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I know that was a good time, man. Good friends, good people. I love it. Um, cool. We're yeah. going to take a quick break here, and we're going to come back in five. Right on. Yo, yo, yo. And we're back. We're back. Hey, guys, I want to say sorry for missing an episode last week. As we were talking about at, talking about it, uh, Levi, you were at Ramble. Yeah, actually, it's kind of a bummer because I was really hoping to do an episode at Ramble itself with some of the speakers and organizers and attendees there, except uh, I just was out camping in the rain and the sun, and it was just we didn't have a chance to break out the microphones. So Yeah. Well, next time, I think it's a really good idea because we're, we're looking at ways to get listeners more involved like we want to hear from you guys we want to know what you want to know yeah and so be on the lookout for that um, also if if you do happen to be going to the experience which is hosted by arc this october in vancouver um ad and i are both gonna be going and we're probably gonna be doing daily or maybe like some idea or some every couple of days episodes while we're up there um stop and say hey to us Tell us what you think about the podcast. Maybe let me do some interviews with people out there as well, too. Yeah, we're so, definitely going to interview some folks yeah. when we're out there in Vancouver. And then also, if you're out here in Colorado and you're going to photo rehab, I'll be there. And I want to set up some interviews up in Estes. So I want to do like a couple of people who are new to the game. And if you're there, um, then come on the pod with us. And then I also want to do a couple of teachers and things like that just to like get get some perspectives of what freaking uh workshop life is like yeah i mean you know or what what's going on at the workshops you know i think we'll talk about that today like a little bit a little bit about workshops and what you what you should like what you'd be looking for what we don't like what we're exposing um but in an effort to like just like thank you guys like we're so pumped we we got some people online that are just shouting us out um the koi's photography guys love your love your comment um those guys, they, they, I'm just going to read the comment. Should I read the comment? Read the comment. All right. It's it's a good, like, oh, like it's a Levi comment. You know? <laughs> I was like, oh, these guys like Levi. They don't like me. And, anyway, I'm joking, the Koi's. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Koi's photography. We talk about intention a lot, particularly in how we approach our business. What kind of experience are we offering our clients? How we approach our craft in a way that sustains and elevates our most important values. How can we support the other photogs in our community? We're new to this gig, and what we've realized thus far is that in this field, it's easy to fall into a competitive mindset by perceiving a level of scarcity. Oh, come on. I said that part. They didn't say the oh, come on. <laughs> uh, we are in daily rebellion against this idea. We're here for such a brief time on this planet, and our goal, our intention, is to figure out how to use our business to create as many meaningful human connections as possible. So consider this post our open invitation to reach out um, if you need anything now or in the future. Thoughts inspired by that Jessica Christie episode on the Blacklight Podcast. Um, Shout out Jessica Christie. Yeah, guys, uh, I that's what we love. <laughs> we love that hopefully we're inspiring 
you know, these things or inspiring community or, or just thoughts about sort of the deeper side of this industry. Cause we're so new, we're so fresh. And so hearing this is, is like so motivating. So, uh, love you guys. And I, I, we're totally here for you. So whatever questions you have going through the next, uh, the next phase of your business, uh, business stuff, community stuff, anything we're here for you just to, just to walk alongside you. So yeah, love that. Yeah, um, give us love- a shout. We'd love to just chat about things that people really value and figure out how we can be a part of this community in a meaningful way. Yeah, um, Levi. Okay, you you're like a workshop guy. Like you, <laughs> not in a. That's not negative. I mean, you. Yeah. You go. You put on workshops. You've attended workshops. I feel like you you've seen the gamut of what workshops in this industry are doing. Negative, positive. Let's start with a couple of positive things. What do you like about not just your experience, but just the whole workshop in general? Like yeah, I think workshop ex- culture is really rooted around people. I think you, what's really exciting to me about workshops is that it gets people who are typically living lives that are highly independent, entrepreneurial, kind of in working in isolation and brings them out to one place to just hang, to share a few drinks or some food and just connect with people that are like-minded and hopefully grow. I love the aspect of community that's centered around it. I think there's a lot of really phenomenal yeah. things there that and they, that to me was that when I um, went to you know workshop in New York the you know the one that's branded workshop that to me was like a whole other we were both there actually and uh, just the yeah, level of community that was there people and meeting people uh, building friendships for people around the country meeting friends that I've chatted with online for years but haven't met in person that was it was pretty awesome I think it's a really amazing part of workshop culture but is it do you think it's worth it for someone who you know, or who is it worth it for? Because I know they're expensive. You're yep. gonna you're paying hundreds or thousands sometimes of dollars totally. to hear from a few amazing photographers. But uh, is it worth it for who? Like who should be taking it? Yeah, it, it depends. So I mean, that's that's the thing I think is really complicated. So you mentioned earlier on that I I have attended workshops, and the reality is I have actually never attended a workshop. You never attended a workshop. Never attended a workshop. Oh dang! Uh, which is very hypocritical of me. Um, I understand that. And actually, it's on my bucket list to go to a workshop or two in the next yeah. year. Okay, um, okay. Because wow. I think there's some things I want to learn. Now, with that being said, I think workshops, who they're for is going to vary depending on what the, the structure of the workshop is. I think a lot of workshops are designed for people who are just kind of mediocreing their way through their business, like doing things just, you know, kind of meandering along with it to kind of help them get into gear uh, either business-wise or shooting-wise, actually help develop a vision for it. Um, now, with that being said, though, I, I don't feel like all workshops are created equal. I think some are phenomenal, and some will blow your mind, and some are probably a big waste of money. Hmm. So I think there has to be a, a vetting process for yourself before you jump into one. All right. Well, let's get some of the negative sides, sides of this. Why would a workshop be a waste of money? I think a workshop could be a waste of money if for a couple of reasons. One, there is no educational value. There's not tangible, actionable steps to take away and actually work on. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, sometimes teachers or educators don't interact with attendees. They'll go, they'll teach, they'll take the money, and they kind of like don't make chances to connect. They don't like make a chance to actually grow a business or a relationship with somebody. And sorry, not a business, but a, a relationship with somebody. It is kind of like, hey, here's some information, here's some thoughts, peace out. Um, which to me seems like a, a negative way to use influence in mm-hmm. the industry is to like garner some money from it and then not choose to engage. Um, and so those are, those are two distinct ways I think that are negative. 
right from workshops yeah no i think i i my in my experience it's like some of these workshops there's a little bit of like fanboy stuff going on right like which i get like let's say i love photographer x and i want to go and they have a huge following because they have a lot of great photos or fun photos or whatever whatever the photos are people love it and so they go and they want to go to a workshop with photographer x and so that pays uh, that gets people in the door, so the right. workshop people want photographer X to teach. But photographer X is a teacher, or is a photographer. He's not, or she is not a teacher. She's not an educator, and so that's that was my experience in some of the workshops that I went to. Is there was a lack of educational content? There was more just like, hey, you guys are a fan of me. Look at my work; it's cool. Right. Bada boom, bada bing. And but there's no way for them to teach. The, the person spending yeah. all this money right. how to make a photo like them right. or whatever. They literally can't translate their craft into a way that somebody else could replicate. Yeah. It's just like, it's all internal and mental, which is beautiful as an artist, but it's like, yeah, you can't really teach you all that or they don't have, yeah, have the means the to do that. Yeah, it's the athlete versus the coach. Is Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. you know, he is one of the ba- greatest Mike, uh, basketball players of all time, but when he went to coach with the Wizards or whoever... Uh, it was horrible. Like you know, like he he's not a coach. And yeah. So he's even though he is the greatest athlete, he is not. It doesn't translate to also being an educator. Yeah. And so that was my uh, my issue with some of the classes is like, let's say we're doing a, there's a class on posing. I didn't take a lot of these classes, you know, but I uh, I talked at length to people about it. I took a couple though at some of the workshops that I went to. Um, and the, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, let's watch people shoot and then, you know, let's comment on what they're shooting and sort of steer them in in a direction, which I understand that. And I think that's positive, but I don't think that it's worth, you know, a thousand dollars. Yeah. yeah. It's not that it's not worth that much money to like get someone to be like, Hey, you should think about this. You know, like, no, like I, if I want to leave your workshop, I want to leave like, feeling like you gave me everything if I'm paying you over two or three grand. Like, I want to leave changed a little bit. Right. And so, and that's a hard sell. Like, that's a hard thing to accomplish. I get that. Um, but. I think the biggest thing for me comes on the actionable steps, man. I feel like mo- so, so many workshops have no foundation inside of a curriculum. Like, there's no defined curriculum. It's literally like, here's what I'm learning right now. Here's what I think. Here's what I did. And while those things are, are great, um, that isn't, so many things can't be replicated. And so if you teach someone something that can't be replicated, or maybe it's in the replication, you know, that, that part of it isn't, is unique to yourself. Someone else could do the exact same things and get nowhere with it. I have a friend of mine who's a phenomenal photographer and he's even kind of said himself, he's like, yeah, I kind of like stumbled into these things on my own. It just kind of happened. Uh, he shoots weddings all over the world. He's one of the few destination wedding photographers that I know that actually makes a livable, great career out of traveling um but he's like yeah i I can't really tell people how i got into this because it just kind of happened and he's like i can't like teach you to replicate that and i I appreciate the honesty that he has because it's like yeah like you know it's there's a special sauce that's involved and it's truly unique to him only um so that's why i feel like workshops have to have something inside of them that is actionable like hey do x y or z to like grow your business 
Um, Did you say Zed again? Yeah, I say that. That's I thought we worked on that. <laughs> I thought we talked about that. Nah, man, I'm not over it, man. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> it's just who I am. Yeah, well, the koi's like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that's important. Um, I, I think uh, thinking about workshops, too, and just, like, thinking of what needs to be exposed, what do we need to be talking about, is there is a dark side to, like... I love saying there's a dark side. There's a dark side. There's a dark side. (laughs) But all jokes aside, you know, there is an actual dark side to the workshop world and sort of this rock star mentality or like the rock star photographer complex or whatever. Uh, And that kind of goes in line with the Me Too movement. Like there's, there have been some stories and there have been some, I, I, I hate to say rumors, but you know, some rumors that, oh, certain photographers, um, you know, when they get to workshops, it's not necessarily a a wholesome environment where they might use their, their rock star mentality to, uh, uh, experience certain dalliances or whatever, you know? Uh, and, and that's, that's a horrible thing. That's trash. You know, like they should not, you know, like they shouldn't use their position of power to, or a position of influence, I should say, yeah. uh, to uh, garner favors or yeah. whatever, especially workshop leaders. And I, I think we have a responsibility as people in the industry to make sure uh, that, one, we're, we're uh, creating safe places for people uh, in the industry so that when we go to workshops, I don't know if this is even part of the dialogue now because it's sort of the Me Too stuff is kind of calm down a little bit which i i don't think it should but at the same time you know that's just the way politics and right and social media works yeah Yeah. it just works things just kind of calm down and um so it's not really like a a hot topic but at the same time i still there are predators out there and that use their position of influence in order to uh you know pray is that right yeah right we see that word pray yeah, P-R-E-Y. Or, yeah, P-R-E-Y. <laughs> Definitely not some of that spiritual prayer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, like what, a, I'm sure you, I don't think you've experienced it, obviously, but you, you've you heard some of these oh, stories. Oh, yeah, and, just, I mean, the stories have gone around, and I mean, like I said, I, if, I don't feel like it's, it's it seems like it's, uh, there are, you know, rooted in some rumors and things of like that too, but at that, at that point, though, I feel like it's also really important to know who who is saying these stories, and also the fact that it's really important to, I think, believe people who have been victimized mm-hmm. and not just be like, yeah, it's kind of a rumor. It's just gossip or it's just this or that. I think it's important to take things seriously and say, yeah, no, like if someone said it, I'm, I'm going to believe it. I want my go-to, my default mode to be like, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Right. They're not seeking attention or whatever that is or whatever kind of like rhetoric that we put on people like that. So, you know, people come forward with, with stories like this and like, oh, they're just seeking attention or whatever rhetoric. That's like always um, like a, a double burn on a victim. Mm. Um, it's like, oh, yeah, not only have you been, you know, victimized with somebody, but you've also now been, like, not believed because right. people would rather not believe it. So I think it's really important to just listen to people who are coming forward with stuff and to, and to believe it and also to just do the due diligence to, like, try to research things and find out and ask people hard questions. And what, uh, what do we do at, like, at the workshop to make sure that there are safe spaces for attendees? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's... Because this... Sorry, not to cut you off, but... I I often do wonder, like, wait a minute, I understand that there is a line here, and maybe this is something we can, like, sort of uh, operationally define for the situation, is that at a workshop, if a, a, 
a teacher and an attendee like fell in love. I mean, we are like talking about love and talking about romance and weddings and like if they fell in love, is that okay? Or or what what's the line that should not be crossed? Like let's talk about that. And then once we figure out what that line is, how do we make sure that yeah. Uh, how do we make sure that people are still safe? How yeah. Do we make sure? Well, I mean, whew, the line not being crossed is an interesting one. Well, I I would look at that like a college professor, or you know, maybe minus the age gap, but like as a professor and a student, like, and they fall in love. Like, is that okay? Well, most of the time, it's a little weird. Like ninety nine percent of the time, it's a little weird. A few times, yeah, it's probably okay. But sometimes I think more or less it's it's probably like, eh, is that is is it weird? Use- is it weird? Like, I mean, no age gap, but teacher no. and professor, as long as it doesn't pass, doesn't, like, mess with their code of ethics. If their code of ethics don't say, hey, you can't. Yeah, I mean, it. I think there is things like that where it's like, yeah, you know, it's not defined if no one's being heard or whatever. You know, there's not, like, codes of ethics being crossed or morality or, you know, pr- current relationships that are being compromised and, you know, things like that. That, to me, is, like, obviously, like, a, a very... Uh, hard no on those things that are being proper. But I also think that, um, like, there's, it is this concept of influence. Like, you have a position of influence, and I think you have to be really mindful of that context. And I, I don't know, I guess, like, whatever people, whatever people do outside of, like, workshop context or things like that, that's, like, that's whatever happens afterwards, you know, mm-hmm. that's the aftermath of that. But I feel like, especially inside of the context of, a work, of that educational thing, it's really important in my mind to not, like, lean into like fostering relationships that are unhealthy in whatever way, whether it's codependency or even like romantic relationships inside of that context itself. Inside. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Cause I feel like that's like just, you know, people are, are there to be, have attention dispersed equally to have focus on you know their work and education. So I think it's important to make sure that everyone gets that. Um, and I think some people, some you know, people can go to a workshop and really be codependent and be like, Hey, they want all your attention as a, as a teacher. I think it's also important to set down boundaries saying, Hey, like I'd love to chat about these things, but like I need to kind of like, spend some time with this other person, right? You know, we, we can chat about this at another time or, mm-hmm. you know, you can book another mentor session or something afterwards right. to talk, talk through things. So I think it's just establishing good, like, boundaries overall. Sure. Um, but, you know, yeah, I think, like, for the most part, there is the, the power construct, which is just, like, can be incredibly confusing and also can be, yeah, a, a sense of privilege that an authority figure can have that should not be um, just, like... Should not be used lightly, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shouldn't be used um, willy nilly. Yeah, yeah. Willy nilly. Willy nilly. Willy nilly. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No, it's a it's a tough thing. Um, oh, oh, but yeah. when, when the, so that was one. Of the, the second part of that question was like, how do you kind of go about those things? Uh, how do you go about like implementing culture like that at a workshop? So one of the things I do is there's a, a filmmaking workshop called Venture that I actually produced. So I'm. I kind of help find locations. I kind of help the event run. I kind of help keep stay in touch with the, you know, attendees and the, things like that. Um, and so I, I mentioned this to the people who are kind of like the leaders of the workshop, Kaylin and Christine from White and Reverie. And I had mentioned this because this workshop that we were working on together kind of launched alongside some of these workshop, you know, evils kind of coming out. And I was like, hey, we should probably address this pretty frankly. So we kind of wrote an email to all the attendees because at that workshop there's 40 people. And so he emailed everyone and said, hey, here's a deal. Like, um, this kind of behavior isn't okay at our workshop. There's, you know, this is not what this is for. Um, this is, this behavior is inappropriate in, you know, this context. And if you feel like someone is either, if you feel like unwanted uh, attention or unwanted, you know, advances or things like that, um, or you feel unsafe, 
then like the point of contacts would be myself and Christine. Yeah, um, there's people to come, there's people to, come to you. Like, come talk to us. We are available 24-7 if you feel unsafe at any time. Sure. And yeah. so we created you know, a, a construct inside of that that people could come to us if they needed. Um, I like that. So that I think yeah. is really helpful. Just like putting it out there like, hey, this is, this is the system in place. Um, if you feel unsafe or come to us. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Uh, guys, that's a lot. We're going to take a really quick break and we'll be right back. Right back. And we're back. Hey guys, what up? We're going to close it off this week with our photographer of the week. And I'm going to let AD introduce you to our photographer of the week. All right. So our photographer of the week this week is a nice young lady who lives, who hails from Chicago, right? Isn't she from Chicago? But she lives now in Arizona. Well, she, I think she's actually from Arizona. Moved to Chicago. Oh, she lives in Arizona now. She hails from Arizona. Arizona. Now. She li- also <laughs> once, still lives in Once Arizona. resided in Chicago, but now holds down the fort in Arizona. Her name is Caroline Getz. Dun, 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 dun. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> uh, yeah, guys, if you don't know Caroline Getz's work, uh, you should get to know her, uh, get to know her work. Uh, it's so... I, I don't want to even say understated, because I hate that word, but it's strong. It's strong photography, like through and through. Uh, the pictures that she posts, uh, they're finished. They have, they're saying something. Uh, and that's something that I love. It's not the normal stuff. She has a, uh, I mean, she has a photo with her, the bridesmaids running across a field, you know, the shutter's slow. I love that kind of play where, you know, they're, they're using their camera to say something else. Um, some epic portraits. Uh, one of my favorites that she did, oh, it's, I can't find it on her Instagram page, but it's just like this soft portrait of a girl. I don't even know if it's her wedding, but it's like this baller. It's like, it's a photo. It's not just a, a snap or a picture. It's like... Not a snapper. A snap. It's not <laughs> a snapper. Australian accent. Yeah. Yeah. Like a snapper. A snapper. <laughs> <laughs> no, no Ka- but it's good. And I, I love I love her work. So definitely check her out. Caroline Getz. We'll post some photos. Uh, sorry, I've, ox- I've also been pretty... Yeah, lucky. thanks for not posting ever to the, to the Instagram AD. I will at some point. Yeah. Uh, Caroline has been around the block of the photo world for a minute now. Um, which is awesome. She was actually the first like bigger photographer to kind of take a chance on my work. She had me second shoot for her a wedding in Sonoma, um, 2013, so five years ago, and that was just an awesome opportunity for me. Awesome chance to learn from her and to kind of get to know how she shoots and some. Um, but yeah, she's got rad family. They've actually come through Denver as a family and actually came over to our place and. Uh, their, oh. their uh, kids played AD and I in oh, chess whoa, whoa, whoa. and uh, oh, whoa, sk- skunked us. <laughs> it's like some eight-year-old kid just like playing circles around me. Yeah, he just they just came to the house and he's like, I remember the game too because I was like, I was very upset because he beat me. Because um, he, you know how little kids, they're kind of just like, doo, 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 what's going on? And so we're playing the game and he's moving his, his uh, knight forward. And he's, he's like, ooh, I see something. And I was like, shut up, kid. I, <laughs> I didn't say that. But you know, in my mind, I was like, whatever. And I look at the board, and I'm like, I don't really see anything. And he, he moves his knight again. 
And he's like, are you going to let me do this? Oh, my gosh. And I was like, uh, I don't see what he sees. And then I made a move. And he's like, you are going to let me do it. Ooh. And he moves it again. And I was like, what's he talking about? And then next, uh, the next score, the next move is a checkmate. The best and yeah. worst thing about kids is the fact that they don't have any, like, filter, filter to, or, like, yeah. have any kind of, like, humi- like humility. They're good at something, like, <laughs> just, like, yeah. throw it in your face. <laughs> yeah. I will say, just, I mean, the next game, I, I tossed him. You know, like, I came out guns blazing. I was like, all right, little kid. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> but, no, he beat me. He, he was doing really well. I, I think he was in a... He was like in a magazine, or he was in the newspaper for yeah. winning a chess tournament. Yeah. So, uh, and he had like a chess. A, he has a chess coach, which I've never had a chess coach. And so, think of all the things you could do if you had a chess if coach. I had a chess AD. coach. And yeah. so, I think that the line that he was playing was something his chess coach had taught him, like an easy line to win. And I was how to be like, a grown adult in yeah, six moves. Yeah, it wasn't six moves. It was just, <laughs> oh gosh, I feel so bad now. I forgot about that. Uh, Where can we find Caroline's work? Uh, we're, it's at Caroline Getz or Caroline Getes. Uh, we're actually not, both of us are split on how to pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, I've heard so many pronunciations. I've heard Getz, Gates, Katesh. Yeah, but it's uh, Caroline, and then um, her, her Getz is spelled G H E T E S. Is that correct? G A G H. Sorry, I just closed it on accident. This is how bad I am at Instagram. <laughs> oh, here it is. Uh, Caroline, C A R O L I N E, and then Getz is G H E T E S. Um, uh, Caroline Getz Photography is her actual uh, page. Um, and then Caroline Getz is where she shows like her family stuff, and um, she's really good. She has a lot of stuff going on, a true artist. Um, yeah, so shout out to her. Guys, uh, so happy to hear you guys, uh, well, that you're responding online. Some other people have, like, DM'd us. That's really fun. It's really cool. So, uh, love and the love. We still get at us. Let us know what you want us to talk about, yeah. who you want us to interview. We've got so much stuff planned. Uh, so, again, sorry that we didn't have an episode last week, but we're doubling up this week, so you're going to have plenty of stuff to edit, too. By the end of the well, week. Well, in September, <laughs> perfect timing. Yeah. So, all right, this is the Black Lab Podcast. We will catch you all later this week. Peace.